0: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
1: Hey
2: everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Tuesday, Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. It's a joy to be with you today. You know, we're going to have a peace summit at Rainbow Push, but a lot of organizations are convening to pull this together and it starts on Friday. want you to come on out. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And we're going to be talking about that throughout the week. Um, it'll be a rainbow coalition. It'll be a rainbow of, of voices um, and lots of people who are coming together. John Nichols will be on to talk about it. He's one of the organizers of it, as is James Zogby. Um, a lot of people have expressed support for, for it, Cynthia Nixon, uh, Susan Sarandon, among others. Um, and... Um, if not now, and uh, just uh, so many people are coming together. We want a ceasefire and we want it now, which leads us to this conversation today that we're going to have here on WCPT 820. The nation's largest progressive talk radio station, AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Uh, meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Robert. Hey, Shirley from beautiful Philadelphia and Ashley from beautiful Memphis. Hello, Robert. How you doing, Andre? I was about to call you my baby brother. He's my godbrother. Hey, you know, let's talk about... um, Let's talk about uh, 70% of of Americans want a ceasefire, right? Okay, just about Pew and and other uh, data collection services, polling services are showing that there's overwhelming support by the American people for a ceasefire. And yet... Uh, the Biden administration did an end run around Congress. Now, they're, de- they're debating it, trying to negotiate it in Congress, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And they bypassed Congress to send more than 10,000 uh, pieces of munitions to Israel. And yeah, that happened. So we got to talk about that. And then we have to talk about what happened in Texas. Uh, Kate Cox, the Supreme Court, said she's got to have the baby. So she and her husband have left the state. Uh, which makes her husband legally uh, vulnerable as well, uh, but she's been going to the hospital, cramping, bleeding. Yet, I mean, she, her life is in danger. So, this is what happens in the post Roe v. Wade world. Everybody, we're going to be talking with Denise Parker. I didn't want to stop her yesterday. Uh, the woman who is driving, the mother who is driving, the uh, the uh, the matriarch who is driving this Gabriel's toy giveaways, a toy food and clothing giveaway. She's dealing with something that a lot of us deal with during the holidays, sadness. When her son died, she said, I became so angry. But she said, I did something. She said, because I know my, my son would not want me to stay here. He didn't want me to stay in anger. And that's not how he lived. So I had to find a way to get out of that. And I think that her story can be inspiring and help you to Day, So we're going to speak with her at the bottom of the hour as well. So we got a lot to talk about on the Santita Jackson show. So let's get right to it. And a young Palestinian American uh, financial expert who ran for Congress trying to serve. And I'm so excited to have Rami Blonde with us later on today. And Erin Niederman from If Not Now. It's going to be a packed show, so stay right there. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. And let me know what you think the big story is right now. Tell me. I mean, did you know we are five weeks away from the Iowa caucuses? Just five weeks away. And as we begin the headlines, I guess we should begin there, Alex. It's, you know, the fact is... Um, the signs for uh, for the presidential election, even though they're early, they're very, very interesting. According to CNN polls, now Trump leads Biden um, in the Iowa caucuses. Five weeks just outside of the caucuses, and in these swing states of Michigan and Georgia, the numbers are telling. Biden approvals, approval, approval ratings in Georgia are down to 39%. In Michigan, they're down to 35%. Remember, the largest concentration of Arab Americans is in Michigan, everybody. In Michigan, you've got Trump at 50%, Biden at 40%, and neither at 10%. But guess what? When you introduce Cornel West and Robert Kennedy into the mix, they pull 26% of the votes away. No, I shouldn't say they pull them away. 26% of the voters prefer them. And Trump goes down to 39%. Biden goes down to 31%. So I don't want to frame it. So forgive me. As um, Robert Kennedy and Cornell West taking votes away, people have a preference. And we have a right to that. In Georgia, Trump is at 49%. Biden at 40, 44%. Neither is at 7%. And um, And even as Trump's charges... Uh, loom. They in Georgia, almost half the population, and in Michigan, they feel that they they would be disqualifying. But you know, we still don't know what's going to happen. Call me at 773-763-9278. What do these numbers mean to you? What do they mean to you? I want you to call me at 773-763-WCPT. Ukrainian President Zelensky is visiting D.C. today, everybody. He'll meet with President Biden at the White House and make the case for more aid to be sent to Ukraine. The Supreme Court could fast-track Donald Trump's appeal in his D.C. trial. Uh, He claims he is immune from prosecution for alleged election obstruction in 2020. The court will consider short-circuiting its usual process, it said yesterday. The Air Force disciplined 15 people in an investigation into the discord leaks, a lack of supervision, helped a 21-year-old airman, Jack Texera, to share hundreds of classified documents online. I wonder how many of these people, the Jack Texeras and so many, how many of them might be dissenters? That story is not getting told. That question is not being asked. The Texas Supreme Court ruled against Kate Cox, the 31-year-old. She petitioned a judge to get an abortion in Texas, which has a near-total abortion ban. You're supposed to have exceptions when the when the mother is endangered, when her life is endangered. Her life has been endangered. She's mm-hmm. constantly going to the emergency rooms, bleeding and cramping, but. They said no. And indeed, the Texas attorney general said he would sue her and anyone who helped her. Well, now her husband got her out of state. And so she is going to have that pregnancy terminated. The longer she keeps the pregnancy, the more likely she is to be infertile. They said if the child uh, is born alive, the child would have a very, very torturous death. And of course, uh, that is something that they wanted to avoid, everybody. Um We had two NFL games last night, everybody. The Packers... fell to the Giants 24 to 22. The Titans 28. The Dolphins 27. That is a heartbreaker. Both of them are. In the NBA, the Bucks 133. The Bulls 129. The Pelicans 121. The Timberwolves 107. In the NHL, the Chicago will be playing the Oilers tonight. We'll have a high of 36 degrees in Chicago today, and it will be cloudy. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 29 degrees will be the high. Uh, you know what? Let's get right to this, everybody. I want you to call me at 773 763 9278 What do you think uh, the big stories are? What do you th- make of these numbers? We're just five weeks away. Just I, I can't believe, where did these four years go? We're just five weeks away from the Iowa caucuses. Who do you think is going to win? Will we be surprised by anything? And um, what will be the impact of These Trump trials, it seems like these trials have him going from strength to strength. His numbers are growing in the black community, in the Latino community. Who knew? Talk to me, everybody. Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. I want to know what your thoughts are, and I want to know what your thoughts are about this Texas case. Um, What do you think should happen with Kate Kate Cox? Do you think that it was right, that it was right to force her to have this pregnancy. With all of the complications, uh, she's already got a couple of children, but this particular pregnancy could end her opportunity to have any more children. It could render her infertile. So I want to know what your thoughts are. Call me at 773-763-9275. doctor Shanina Knighton, how you doing? You're doing I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm grabbing you early this morning. Bless your heart. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you know what? The good news today is, everybody, very quickly, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers and love your neighbor as yourself. You will be blessed when you make peace, when you are a peacemaker. Don't just talk about peace. Be about peace. And peace requires justice. Peace requires love. Peace requires mercy. Peace requires that we evolve and become who God needs us to be. That's what peace requires. Not quiet, peace. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. First of all, you need to love yourself so you can love your neighbor as yourself. Most of us don't love ourselves when we treat our neighbors accordingly. So let's work on some self-love, everybody. And when we begin to love ourselves, you know, you start treating people differently. You become kinder, more compassionate. Think about that. Think about that today. Whatever you feel about the termination of a pregnancy today, I hope your prayers go to the family of Kate Cox and her husband and their children. This has got to be the most difficult decision that they have got to make. What mother wants to terminate a pregnancy? Who wants to do that? Whatever you feel, feel some compassion and walk a mile in her and her husband's shoes. How you doing, Dr. Shanina Knighton? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am doing well. What do you want to bring to us today?
3: Um, so it's interesting. You mentioned loving yourself as you will love thy neighbor and essentially we talked about it yesterday and that's just being aware of your own germs and your own actions. And I think The most important thing is if we think about how we interact with the world and how we interact with others, do we save others? So specifically speaking around a lot of the same habits that we've been talking about before, I know that it's crazy when I could beat, you know, hand hygiene in like, you know, a a dead drum because of its importance. But I just want to point out that only 5% of people do it correctly. Mm -hmm. People often miss where the thumb meets the hand. They they miss doing their fingernails. They miss doing their wrists. They might miss doing the webbing of their fingers. They miss doing it, having friction for 20 to 25 seconds. Some people will literally put the soap on their hands and then hurry up, rub it around, and then rinse it. You have to remember that the soap has to have time in order to be able to work and interact with your skin similarly to a disinfectant so with a disinfectant sentita and i'm switching topics really quick disinfectants have something on the bottle called contact time meaning that for people that spray and then they wipe immediately they're not getting the effectiveness out of the bottle and when the bottle says that it kills ninety nine point nine percent of germs, if you do not allow proper contact time of that disinfectant, then there is no guarantee that you kill the germs that are on that surface um, or whatever it is that you're trying to clean. That is very important because a lot of individuals may think, "Oh, well, I sprayed down this seat, so it should be clean." But not allowing proper contact time is um, is a problem, because it won't get as clean as you think it is.
2: So, wait, so, ho- so, ho- so, so hold on one second, because most of us do spray wipe. I mean, even, you know, like when you're cleaning, spray wipe. And you're like, wait a minute, you need contact time when you're cleaning a yes. surface and when you're cleaning your hands.
3: Absolutely. And the irony of it is, is when you are, let's say, spraying something down and wiping it really fast. And let's say you're using a rag. So let's say I'm wiping down multiple tables in a venue, and I'm spraying and I'm hurrying up and wiping, right? Technically, what people should do is they should spray, roll around and spray, and then come back and wipe, starting from the earliest table up to the last, if you were doing multiple tables. So that would be an example, okay?
4: okay.
3: The other piece... So, if you are using let's say the same rack, not allowing proper contact time, then means that you are spreading germs from one area to another. So instead of you thinking, "Hey, if I'm spraying this disinfectant and I'm cleaning this area, or let's say I'm cleaning a table and some chairs," you're now taking whatever germs that are on the table and you're transferring it to the other services because you did not allow proper contact time before you moved on to that other item. So when this happens, people are shuffling germs instead of cleaning up germs because nothing is being killed. If, let's say, there was someone with the flu or someone that had a cold, and you're like, hey, I need to spray him down because such and such was in here and they look like they were sick. Well, if you don't allow proper contact time, any germs that they have or viral shedding that may have occurred did not necessarily die because you did not kill it off by allowing the proper contact time. So, if the contact time on the bottle says one minute, that disinfectant must sit on that surface for one minute before it is wiped up. If contact so we, well, so Wait, wait. wait.
2: Let, stop, yeah. stop. Because one of the things that we don't do. You pick up the alcohol, you pick up the Lysol, you pick up the mask, you pick up all of these products. But you're saying, you've been saying this, I just want to emphasize this, that there are instructions. There is a way to wear the mask. There's contact time you need in order for the soap or the disinfectant to work or the sanitizer to work. When you're spraying your products to clean, you need contact time. Yes, yes. You you need to read the instructions. Correct. Okay, I, I'm I know I'm like pushing, but no, these that's, are things read that read the instructions. Yeah, I mean the, these are things that we're not thinking about, Doctor Knighton. You know,
3: yeah. And when the EPA approves products, when they approve products, they they approve them, and the verbiage that they have. So if something says that it kills a certain Fungus or if it, let's say it kills COVID, if it, you know, is a virus, if it kills, you know, influenza or something says 99.9% of germs, they've had to have proper contact time and have that disclaimer on there of how long that disinfectant has to sit on the surface in order for it to work. Hmm. I do remind people, Please read your labels. Make sure that you do allow your disinfectants to fit before you wipe. Otherwise, you're wasting product because you're using too much of it. Secondly, you're using it ineffectively because you're not giving the solution enough time to work on the surface before you wipe it up. Otherwise, the same rack that you are using calls pile, you're spreading around germs instead of preventing them or killing them. It just does
2: not stop, y'all. <laughs> Read these instructions. Dr. Shanina and everybody. Hey, Dr. Nina, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A, sending you so much love today. Thank you for joining us a little early today, but not even a little early. You know, <laughs> I... Can't wait to talk with you about black women and infertility. Why so many women are struggling with fertility. But black women in particular, we're more likely to be infertile and we're less likely to get the help on it for it. And, um, and having babies for black women in the United States is extremely difficult. And more and more, and more black women don't want to go to the hospital to, to have that baby. Isn't that interesting? We got a lot to talk it about, is. Dr. Knighton. Yeah, yeah, we got to yeah. do it. Sending you so much love today. Hey, Dr. Nina, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. Coming up, let's talk with Attorney C.K. Hoffler very briefly about what happened in Texas. Kate Cox, uh, the Texas State Supreme Court ruled against her um, terminating the pregnancy. That could render her infertile. That might kill her. That's certainly going to kill her child. What do you think about that, everybody? It's a post-Roe post v. Wade world. Let's talk about it on the Santita Jackson Show. Back in just a minute. We can change the
1: world. Change the world. Change the world. Oh, yes, can. We can change the world. We can change the world. Change the world.
0: This is the Santita a Jackson, Jackson Show. And hate, to a
1: place of love, it's not too late. Oh. Gotta save the children.
2: everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Before we talk about really getting through the holidays, the holidays are really tough for people. Uh, let's talk about it here on the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Um, let's talk about this decision. We just talked about this story yesterday. Kate Cox, 31 years of age, married, mother of two. Uh, she got tragic news. Uh, She's pregnant uh, with her third child, and she was told the child's not going to make it. In fact, uh, this child has a disease that is going to kill the child. If the child is born alive, uh, the child will die a torturous death. Um, If the child is born, more than likely you will be infertile. If you survive the birth and the pregnancy yourself. Texas uh, state attorney general, state attorney general said, I'm going to sue you. You better have this baby. And now the Supreme Court has ruled, the Texas Supreme Court has ruled that she must have the child. She and her husband have left the state. Uh, They're able to do that, thankfully. I don't know what their financial situation is, but because of the profile of the case, there are people who who will assist them. What about poor women of every color? What is going on in this case? Before we talk to you uh, Denise about Gabriel's Toy Drive, where you're going to be giving away food and clothing and um, and toys at 8540 South Racine uh, on the 17th. Before we get to my beloved Denise, and we've got Chapelle with us, too, uh, I want to, Denise Parker and Shapiro Wells, I want to talk to you, uh, CK, before you get to court. Uh, first of all, you're going to be on Court TV this
5: week. Actually, I'm on Court TV this evening again from six to seven. I won't talk about the fact that I was on yesterday. I'm sorry, Santita, but I but this evening I'll be on at six o'clock p.m.
2: You know we're going to do better in 2024. Awesome. Whenever awesome. you're on, you're just going to come on and do a quick bump. Hey, I'm about to be on, y'all. Bye. Okay. That's how we're going. <laughs> okay. That's how we're going to do that. Is Doctor Knighton still here? Yes. We were having this conversation and, and CK was like, no, I'm laying back because I'm just having a conversation. I'm just a layperson. CK, of course, is a brilliant lawyer. Uh, Dr. Knighton, registered nurse, infection pre- preventionist, college lecturer, Ph.D., global health, uh, global health professional. I'm just I'm just with an opinion. <laughs> and I just think that this case is so dangerous. Uh, just from a health perspective, CK, before we get to you, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, just just from a health perspective, what are what are the health challenges that face Kate Cox, Doctor Knighton?
3: So I think without going in depth of let's say her actual medical record is very hard to understand that aspect. But I just want to point out outside of the physical challenges that are occurring, to me, is the ignoring the fact that she already has two children. It's the fact that we're not thinking about mental health, that mental health issues or challenges that occur for women that do carry a child, knowing that their child may come out with special needs, in her case, knowing that her child will not make it. Then knowing the possibility and the stressors of the fact that not only would her child not make it, but then she may not even be here to raise her other two children, the existing two children that she does have. And I think just that in itself, when we talk about ethics, when we talk about being human, that's something to me that just should not be ignored because that in itself has some negative stressors and health implications period you know like that's going to impact her regardless so even if we're not talking about the details of how this is putting her at risk for death if we're not talking about the details that it has been ruled you know that her unborn child would not make it just those factors again alone is a tough decision that would need to be made and so for someone to rule against her having that autonomy and essentially telling her, you're, you don't have an alternative or a choice. You're going to have this baby, run the risk of your baby dying, run the risk of you dying, and you not be here for your existing children and your husband. That is a stressful, stressful situation. Just as a woman, just as a mother. Just as, again, the neglect that women already put ourselves through in taking care of our children and others, that would be hard for any woman to face. And it's very important that we are taking a look at this because she, she's the one that is, let's say, going through this right now. But there are other cases out there or women that are similar to her they may not have as loud of a voice. It may not have resources. And in some instances may not even be on this earth because they did not have the support, the advocacy, or the means to go to another state to get it done. When we talk about health alone, Santeed, and you talk about the social determinants of health and the fact that you mentioned black women are at higher risk for infertility, imagine being faced with these sorts of decisions. Imagine being faced with knowing that your child may come, you know, into this world and not be here long, if not, you know, having to deliver a baby that's not even going to make it or won't make it upon birth. That's a challenge within itself because we forget about the contractions. We forget about, you know, everything that the body has to undergo for a woman to have a baby. For the end result to not be a baby at the end, or a baby that you know you won't be able to love for long, so that mm-hmm. is um, it's unfortunate. But that would be my help take on it without having all of the exact details of the case.
2: Well, you got a lot. I only have a few more minutes because I want to move to Denise uh, Parker and um, and and what she's dealing with. Because we're dealing with mothers, I guess, in this segment. In about four minutes or so, CK, what are we looking at Absolutely. here?
5: Well, Sanfita, this? This, is, this is a mess. This is what we predicted. This is sad and tragic. And in black and brown communities, it's a thousand times worse. Fortunately um, for this mother, she had the option of traveling someplace else, and she's going to take care of her medical necessities. The question is, is it the state or is it the doctors that are making decisions on a woman's reproductive system? This is one of those cases. And by the way, there are hundreds of women documented here in Georgia, we're facing similar situations, mostly minority women who are having to carry babies to term that are are, are unfortunately not alive. They know they're not gonna be alive, out of because of these, these laws here. Because of the laws that are precluding them from making a decision to terminate their pregnancy over medical necessity. And as we now see, as we predicted, medical necessity is not any medical necessity where a mother life is at risk or when the fetus's life is at risk, it's whatever the state deems it to be. And that in and of itself is a political issue. So what we're seeing here, Santi, is there are going to be thousands of women who continue to be at risk. I will tell you personally, I've had a miscarriage. The psychology of what Dr. Knighton is speaking of is so real. But it's one thing for you to have a miscarriage when you're pregnant and it, it happens. It's another thing to know that your, your, your child will not make it, and you may not make it, and you've got to make some decisions. And the state is saying, you've got to put your life at risk, you've got to put your child's life at risk. So a woman, what is her legal recourse? Well, this is what the state says, you've got to sue the state. You've got to sue to try to repeal or overturn that law. But by the time you go through that process, if you're successful, you would already have done whatever medically you would have done. Most women don't have the options to go see a lawyer to have that case, but they want to take this on because this is a political issue. This is a nationwide issue. This is what the U.S. Supreme Court determined should happen. The U.S. Supreme Court reversed itself. It overturned Roe versus Wade, which was the case that governed with, on the law of the land that women could make a determination in terms of their reproductive rights on what should happen with their body when they're confronted with certain situations. That was mm-hmm. a law of land. The U.S. Supreme Court overturned it and said, now it's up to you states to determine how you're going to regulate this. And Texas is one of those states that that determined that you can be prosecuted civilly. So let's talk about Ms. Cox when she, if she comes back to Texas. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what could happen to her legally because Texas has a law where anyone who helps in the process could be open to liability, could be open to monetary damages, could be open to being sued, could be open to criminal charges. So her fight is not going to be over if she, de- if she decides to come back to Texas. Me, myself, and I, if I had the ability, I would never set foot in Texas again if I were her, because she, or if I were she, because she is going to face the consequences of saving her life and of preventing her child from suffering, if her child is born and and lives for a very very you know a few days or for a period of time, um, if the child makes it, and and we know that death is certain for the child and it will be a very painful death. So all of these things, and Peter, are legal questions that every single woman would have to confront in these states where there is a ban on abortion, where there is the state interfering with a woman's ability to make decisions about her reproductive rights. And that's the mess that we're in. That's the tragedy that we're in. That's the situation that we're in, where our grandmothers had more ability to say what was going to happen to their bodies than we do, and that's a tragedy. No matter and they where were you just follow the slavery, and they had no space,
2: and and they had no space, none. Let me bring on Lee, uh, Denise, and Shapiro. Hold on, and you know, and Denise and Shapiro, you all can weigh in too. But let me bring on Lee. Yes. Lee is calling in. Lee, how you doing?
6: Good, fine, Sandy. It's great to talk to you again. Um, Wonderful. The woman that was just done talking is amazing because she's enraging about things that every human should be enraged about. Every human. Nobody should allow any government to do this to a human being. And yet the American people are saying, well, we'll have to see what the courts think. We'll have to see what the judge thinks. People should <laughs> never allow anyone to be uh, uh, treated like this. This is inhumane. You know, uh, I was. And, and I, you know uh, what
2: makes me and what angers me is that we've been here before. We didn't learn lessons from this. This is what black women went through for hundreds of years in this. country. Yes. We, we were yes. forced. It. That's why when you see black people walking down the street in the United States of America and when black folks have kids, you never know what they're going to look like because. We are a a genetic jumble because of what we experienced, not just on the plantations, but just living. Because black women, if we were raped, no one was prosecuted if white men did it, and it happened all the time. That was what Rosa Parks was famous for in Alabama. But you know, okay, that happened to black women. Okay, now white women. I mean, enough of this war on women. This, I mean, this is just this is horrific. This is horrific. And I don't care how what you feel about abortion. This woman's going to the hospital now. She and her husband, she and she has to, as as Dr. Knighton and as uh, attorney C.K. Hoffman said, this woman's looking at her husband, the two children she's got every day. She's scared to death. Very quickly, your, your last comment, sweetie.
6: Yeah, I, I I love to talk to you about six other issues. Uh one is Biden is supporting genocide and it's the most disgusting treatment of humans you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And you know, he he still is you know, all, all we're seeing is his polling numbers are going down. People should be running to him with guns saying No 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 when no, when uh, when, uh, well, uh, when No no
2: Lee 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 stop. I cannot do that. Um, I, don't, I don't want anything to happen to the president. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do a violence here. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But I do not sign on to genocide. And I think if the Democrats, uh, the Democrats better take a strong stand on this. Otherwise, I got a problem with you. I'm not going to do that. More than 17,000 Palestinians have been killed. And the Israeli military went on record. More than a month ago, saying that they were not focused on damage, they were focused. They were not focused on accuracy. They were focused on damage, and that's what they've done. They killed people. I'm not with it, but I'm not with it. I'm not with hurting President Biden. I'm going to continue to agitate and pray so that he will change his mind. So I'm sending you much love, Lee. But no one, don't call here. Don't get on this chat line talking about violence. Don't do it. Don't do it. I will not sign on to that here. I want that people love President Biden, too. Not just his, not just politically. They love him personally. He's a father and a grandfather and a husband. I don't want anything to happen to him. People used to threaten my father on a regular. I didn't want anything to happen to him. I don't want anything to happen to anybody. Now, we have got to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. Get out in the streets and protest and demonstrate. Get get yourself to get yourself to the polls. Get registered to vote. That's the way the system's been structured. Make it work. Work the system. Stop letting it work over you. I love you, CK, and I love you, Doctor Knight. And uh, you know we're going to continue to look at this story. And um, and really, I think we've got to take it. We've got to continue to separate it out so we can look at women's rights. Because women are getting women are getting wiped out here, you know. We're being called chest feeders, persons with wombs, and whatnot. Look, I'm look, I'm with y'all in in all the struggles that everybody's got. But I'm a woman, and I've worked real long, and I've waited a long time to get here. And that is what I am, and I'm fighting for us. Period. And I, that includes my trans sisters too. That having been said, but you need to acknowledge what biological women deal with and what we go through. Let's get together in this fight. C.K. You know C.K. and and um, and and Doctor Shanina Knight. And I want you to stay here. This woman's very special to me. She does my hair every week. And um, Denise Parker. You never know what people have gone through. Shapirle. And we're talking. And she looks. I mean C.K. and and Doctor Knight and Shapirle. She looks like a model. So I'm like, okay. So you know, I'm thinking she's got little kids. No, she said, no, I, no, I've got seven kids. Uh, right, Denise. And I'm a grandmother. Are you for real? Yeah. (laughs) She pulled out these pictures that fell to the floor. I said, Lord. But she also lost her son. And she said, you know, um, when I lost him, it broke my heart and I became angry. But my son, at the age of 17, started a toy drive because he wanted to give love and encouragement to battered women. So I said, you know what? Wait a minute. Let me finish Gabriel's work. Do I kind of have it right, Denise? Yes, yeah, she does.
7: Good morning. Right.
2: Good morning. I mean, and I'm going to bring you back so you can continue. I mean, is, is Dr. Knighton still there? Is C.K. still there? Are you all still there? I'm still here. It's a beautiful story. And it's a, ve- it's a very inspiring story at this time of year because most of us struggle with anger about so many things. We have so many disappointments, Denise. And, of course, on the 17th, um, what time does this toy drive begin? It's at 8540 South Racine, right?
7: Yes, and it started, from, it started at 12 to 5 p.m. And so we run out of um, toys, clothes, and food, and food. Et cetera.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And gift cards. I mean, this is – and she and her family did funded this initially. But I really need you to get out and support them because – It's not just a toy drive. She is well aware that many mothers, many mothers and fathers are struggling. So you can go there and get food. They don't ask you questions. If you need, if you have, if they have clothes that your child can wear, you get them. The toys, food, you can go to 8540 Racine. How did you get through this anger? How did you get from anger to where you are now? Because that to me, that's a tough one, Denise. That's tough.
7: Yeah, it is tough. And and I was like a single mom raised with seven kids. Mm-hmm. And living in I moved I was had my first child when I was living in the project.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: And I just like I had three kids living in the project and I was just like I don't wanna live like this. I don't wanna wait on no once a month to put the age check or whatever. So I just took myself across the street. We used to have, like, stores and liquor stores. And I'm like, okay, I'm going over there and getting me a job. I, I got three kids to raise. I am going to get out the project. So I went over there. I worked at the liquor store. I worked at the grocery store. I worked at the grocery store for these many hours. Then went across the street the next door and then worked at the liquor store for these many hours. Just to get myself, a better, my kids, a better life. Old. I did. I moved and got a house and stuff, you know, and, and so long I had kids. But with Gabriel or whatever, I had Gabriel, um, I was six and a half months pregnant, and I went in the hospital, and they put the ultrasound. They said it don't look good. They was like, oh, it's like, he's going to be like one pound and ounces and stuff through the ultrasound. So, you know, I, I'm like, okay, so I'm just praying to God, had my Bible, you know, and um, they took me. They said I had to have a C-section. So they took me in, prepped me up, and then t- the nurse like, oh, you can't take that Bible in. I'm like, oh, I'm taking this Bible with me, mm-hmm. and I just put it under my pillow. And and I was just praying why they was preparing me for the um, C-section. And Gabriel came out four pounds three ounces. Mm. Nothing wrong with his lungs are strong. Everything. I don't think he couldn't do his grasp a bottle yet. But other than that, so me and his father decided like we're gonna get his name because he's a miracle baby. Because I had the accident like in 2000 and I lost my my son, and, that, and then I. I had a daughter and lost her, and they said I couldn't have no more kids from the engine caging in on my stomach. Because that's how I lost my first one. Uh, his organs um, got messed up from the engine caging in on my stomach. <laughs> but Anyway, Gabriel, so we put names out the Bible, four names are in there. We grabbed the bag and we grabbed, um, took the bag, and then we got Gabriel out the bag. And that's how his name came, Gabriel. So Gabriel was, like, he was very, very, very smart. He used to tutor. He was always ahead of his class. He graduated at the age of 17. He went to Atlanta for, um, for college. And he has been to real estate school at the age of 17. Hmm. And um, and then, so, you know, the day he was, like, he wanted to, um, on Thanksgiving, he asked me and his siblings, he wanted to do a toys draft so um um better women and children. And he's like, Would well, y'all donate toys? And we was like, Of course, you know, we were surprised, we were like, Okay, we're gonna support this. And then, um, my son he started having fever at the age of three months. Hmm. But it they was under control. He never had one. So he had one at seventeen, like a flight one. And then um, he had one in his place, and that's how I lost my son at the age of 18. I lost him in 2020.
2: And you know um, what, stay right, stay right there, because you know what? Uh, CK, you still there? I'm still here. And um, and a Dr. Knighton and Shapiro, we're going to have a part two tomorrow. How about that? You're going to be back on at 630 because I want you to finish this story because it's a very powerful story to me and I think it's a very powerful story to the audience 8540 South Racine December 17th starting at 12 noon a toy food and clothing giveaway this is what this mother has started in Gabriel's name this angel her son this son and so I, I want you to please get out there and support me. I want to thank our listeners who are going to go by and, and contribute so they can continue, so they can help her help somebody else, because that's what this is about for her. Because you see this climb that she's been on. And look, I, I have a special love for people in the PJs, Denise. When my parents were finally able to get their own home, guess what? The first home that yeah. Santita and Jesse and Jackie Jackson had was in the projects in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hallelujah! Oh. And my mother planted her flowers in the front, and she sewed the curtains. because when I was born, my parents didn't even have a home. We lived with the Halseys. So you know what? You never know what God's going to do with you, right? No. Never. You oh, never no. stay right there because you got a live read on the other side. Eighty-five forty, South Racine. Everybody, December seventeenth, starting at twelve o'clock. A toy, clothing, and food giveaway. Shapiro, you there? It's just a very powerful story. It's just I am. a very powerful st- Oh, you know, it's a powerful story, and we're going to do this. We're going to have the part two tomorrow, because I want to know how she got from anger to where she is right now. I want to know that about you, too. And all y'all do is work all the time. Maybe that's part of it, too. Always trying to help somebody. My mother says all the time, you can't help someone without helping yourself. 8540 South Racine, December 17th, starting at 12 noon. Please, if you can, get on over there today and and contribute. This is a very, very worthwhile, uh, worthwhile endeavor. People need some, people need love, encouragement, and they need some help. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a few minutes.
0: this is the Santita Jackson show
1: hey
2: everybody welcome to the Santita Jackson show WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, and the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. We've got a lot to talk about today, and I want you to want us to get right to it right here on the Santita Jackson Show. 17,000 plus dead in Gaza. What is going on, everybody? And, you know, you've got to remember, the IDF said that they were not looking to... Uh, They were not looking for accuracy. They were looking to inflict damage, and they have certainly done that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the moral insanity. That is the headline in Common Dreams. The Biden administration has bypassed Congress to rush. Tank shells more than 13,000 rounds to Israel as two-thirds of Americans want to cease fire. Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's talk about it. We're going to have a peace summit at Rainbow Push. Dwight McKee's part of the organizing of it. We can't wait to have wait to have you there. And, of course, Attorney Mark Prancher got to get you there. And John Nichols will be there. It's going to be something really, really special. And uh, we want you, Rami, everyone who can come. Come, come, come. To We're going to, we are going to organize for peace, which means we are also going to have not just quiet, but justice. There you go. Uh, I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Let me know what you think about the Biden administration bypassing Congress to rush tank shells, rush tank shells to Israel. We said we don't want that to happen, and yet, that did happen. Call me at seven seven three seven six three nine Two, seven, eight. Some of the headlines, President Joe Biden pledged unshakable support for Israel and hailed his administration's efforts to secure the release of hostages held in Gaza. Quote, we've gotten more than 100 hostages out and we're not going to stop until we get every one of them home. Close quote. Biden said at a menorah lighting ceremony at the White House. Of course, we're in the midst of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish brothers and sisters. Uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky will come face-to-face with U.S. lawmakers today on Capitol Hill in a desperate plea for more aid uh, in his war with Russia. Uh, The Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, has agreed to quickly decide whether former President Donald Trump has any immunity from criminal prosecution for alleged crimes he committed while in office. Special counsel Jack Smith posed the extraordinary question to the court on Monday in an attempt to bypass a federal appeals court in deciding a fundamental question of Trump's election subversion trial. The Texas Supreme Court has ruled against Kate Cox, the 31-year-old married mother of two who sought an emergency abortion uh, because of the danger to herself, uh, her future fertility, and her child. The child is not expected to survive the pregnancy. Uh, it Ultimately, the state was left to pursue this procedure. And so now she and her husband have fled the state after she's had several medical emergencies in order to terminate the pregnancy. We're going to be talking about that more tomorrow on the Santita Jackson show. Everybody in Chicago will have a high of 36 degrees. It will be cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 29 degrees. It will be cloudy in the NFL. Uh, the Giants, 24, the Packers, 22, a nail-biter, everybody, and the Titans, 28, and the Dolphins, 27. Really exciting game. Yes, I did see parts of it in the NBA. The Bucks 133, the Bulls, 129, the Pelicans, 121, the Timberwolves, 107, and Chicago will be playing the Oilers tonight in the NHL. You know, everybody, I'm always looking for socially conscious uh Persons to help to sponsor this broadcast and keep it on the air. And so I'm really grateful to have a new partner in Credo Mobile. In Credo Mobile. They have donated over $95 million to progressive, uh, socially advancing causes, everybody. They are WCPT's newest sponsor. And they're a new sponsor of the Santita Jackson Show. We could not imagine a more aligned partner than Credo Mobile. Uh, this America's socially conscious mobile Phone company Having donated more than $95 million to progressive nonprofits working for a better world. With Credo Mobile, you get great coverage, all the stuff that you get from the big guys, the latest phones and plans you'd get from all of the big carriers. But with Credo Mobile, your money supports you and the causes that you support and, and the causes that support you. So what's better for all people on the planet? Credo Mobile, everybody, I want you to go to credomobile.com. That's C R E D O Mobile, M O B I L E dot com. Credo Mobile.com. C-R-E-D-O-Mobile.com or call them at 877-346-0516. 877-346-0516. 95 million dollars to progressive causes. You can't beat that everybody. And you can get all the phones and all the plans that you get with the big guys. But now help someone who's helping you. That's the way business ought to work. It ought to be a reciprocal relationship, everybody. And with Credo Mobile, that's exactly what you get. Support the people who support you. How about that? Eight seven seven three four six zero five one six. What do you make of the Biden administration bypassing Congress to rush more than 13,000 rounds of tank ammunition to Israel. This is while the Pew, uh, uh, the Pew survey shows us that two-thirds of Americans want a ceasefire. So Congress and the Biden administration are going one way while the American people are going in the other direction. Something about that just doesn't work. And yet you have people who are looking at this situation and they're saying, you know what, I'm going to run for office. I'm going to do something about this because I can't, you know, Dr. King wrote a book entitled Why We Can't Wait. Well, Rami Blonde said, this is why I can't wait. Now, he is a financial guru, but... He said, I'm going to put that aside because I'm going to run for Congress. Young Palestinian American, I'm so proud of this young man. And, of course, we've got brilliant social scientist Dwight McKee, attorney Mark Fancher, civil rights lawyer, civil libertarian, brilliant author, brilliant opiner on all things social and cultural and political and, quite frankly, spiritual and moral. Dr. David Gibbs, brilliant professor of history at the University of Arizona. Um, First, before I get to you, Rami, let me have the panel react to the news that the Biden administration did an in run, Dwight McKee, around Congress to get these 13,000 rounds of munitions to Israel. What do you make of that?
0: Well, it's interesting that Biden's major argument against Trump is this anti democratic, totalitarian, totalitarian approach to uh, government. And yet the majority of Americans want a ceasefire, and he circumvented not just the majority of Americans in their will, but congressional will. Congress has been debating how they're going to approach this munition situation, and he circumvented them. So they had no vote, even though they represent constituencies, represent different thought processes. He circumvented them and sent these weapons of war to Israel it is inconsistent. The majority of countries in the world has voted for a ceasefire, and yet America has been the lone country to veto uh, those votes. The majority of the countries in the world have voted for a ceasefire. And so for one who criticizes Trump for being dictatorial and circumventing democracy, this Biden administration is taking it to a different high or a different low, depending on your perspective. I think that it is you become merchants of war, merchants of death. And in a real sense, you've given uh, an aggressive administration in Israel who is hell bent on ethnic cleansing, it looks like, and creating the maximum damage. You've given them all of the weapons they need to do what they're trying to do. It's a sin before God, and it needs to be tried uh, in the world courts, who, if it was coming from a communist country, or if it was coming from a third world country, or if it was coming from an Arab country, America would, would be uh, screaming and hollering about how these are war criminals. And yet, it's a different we, a different standard for ourselves.
1: Mm.
2: Doctor Gibbs, your thoughts?
8: Uh, yeah, it, it, the United States is very much establishing itself uh, in a position of isolation from the rest of the world to an extraordinary degree. Um, you know, in, in the Ukraine war, the United States had what I would call the NATO bubble. Um, and that you know, 15 percent of the world, comprising you know NATO and U.S. allies, at least supported the U.S. on Ukraine, even if the rest of the world didn't. On Gaza, however, what you're seeing is it's pretty much the U.S. alone that's taking this position. Uh, a very striking case, you know, already noted by Dwight McGee, but you know I'll emphasize it again: was that there was a call at the UN Security Council for a ceasefire. Uh, it was um, unanimously supported, except for. Britain abstained, America's closest ally, Britain abstained, and the U.S. vetoed it. And so the U.S. was the only country vetoing a ceasefire, saying that, no, we don't want an end or even a a pause, an extended pause uh, in the sort of aerial massacre that's taking place in Gaza right now by Israel against the population of Gaza, um, even though the rest of the world clearly wants that, and evidently... A majority of the United States, a majority of the American public wanted it as well, according to public opinion polls. And so what you're getting the Biden administration doing is basically saying that they don't really care about what the rest of the world thinks. Even most of America's NATO allies, and they don't care about what the public thinks. And they're going to circumvent regular procedures and simply give Israel additional weaponry uh, without congressional authorization. Um, and um, I think with it, they're still going to have... Uh, most dramatically I think an in effect internationally in that it's going to accelerate the unraveling of American power globally and that um, uh, a large number of countries will see the extraordinary hypocrisy of America constantly you know scolding and wagging its finger at countries that their human rights records aren't good enough they don't treat gays well they don't treat women well uh, they're um, you know not not democratic enough etc et etc cetera, et etc cetera, et cetera, uh, you know condemning Russia for engaging in uh, attacks against infrastructure in Ukraine and so on. And here we are, uh, you know, supporting this government that has openly referred to the population of Gaza, the whole population, as human animals. I believe that was the phrase of Yov Gallant, the minister of defense of Israel, openly saying they're trying to, um, you know, indiscriminately kill and maim as many people as possible. Government officials in Israel are openly saying these things at the highest level. And the U.S. is backing them to the hilt and blocking any effort internationally uh, to stop the killing. And so uh, this is going to unravel American power globally and, um, you know, increase the likelihood of a multipolar world. I I like to think of um, these types of horrific situations with a, shall we say, a silver lining and perhaps the silver lining is we will get a multipolar world, which I think will be a good thing. I I think the U.S. has been a very destabilizing force in the world. We're seeing that now. And I I think America's ability to do this in the future is going to be
4: significantly eroded. Mm.
2: Uh, Attorney Mark Fancher.
4: You know, I I think too often we lapse into thinking or focusing exclusively on what the president of the United States does. Uh, And the truth is that any president, not just Joe Biden, but any president is nothing more than an errand boy. Uh, for major multinational corporations, uh, you know, in particular the oil industry and others. And all that they do and all that they can do is to take orders from these powerful forces and get it done. And in recent decades, uh, the way to accomplish the orders that have been given to uh, administrations, whichever administration it might be, has been to circumvent uh, what is purported to be the democratic process in the United States Uh, and it has been necessary to do that because the broader population of the US has grown in its political maturity and its political understanding. Uh, After the Vietnam War, the public in the United States drew a line. Uh, They would no longer allow uh, their young men and women to be thrown into military conflicts Uh, you know, for no reason and solely for the purpose of advancing an imperial agenda. And that is a lesson that was well well known uh, to administrations. And so it became necessary whenever it was uh, important for uh, the multinational corporations, uh, the capitalists generally, to accomplish an imperial mission, uh, and they would give that order to a president, It, it became necessary for these presidents to circumvent Congress. Uh, to circumvent the political process. Even though the War Powers Resolution might require them to report and get authorization to wage wars, uh, and they knew that they couldn't do it, then what they would do is they would use proxy forces, most notably in Nicaragua when they were trying to overthrow the Sandinista government in Nicaragua back in the 1980s under President Reagan. uh, It became necessary to circumvent Congress uh, by creating AFRICOM, uh, U.S.-Africa command most rec- in m- most recent decades in Africa, where U.S. forces are not committed uh, to actually engaging in combat in Africa because the U.S. public would never support it. Uh, so what they do is they have military quote-unquote advisors stationed the length and breadth of Africa who direct Africa's armies in missions that are intended to protect U.S. access and U.S. corporate access to uh, Africa's wealth and power. And so you get these situations where they're operating with proxies, and if they can't do it with proxies, then they'll use drones. President Obama was notorious for doing it. And so now we find Biden, who is under orders uh, to get it done in Gaza. U.S. oil interests are not in any way interested in Uh, in any way surrendering their access to that geopolitically strategic region of the country where they need to have access to it generally. And now that they know that there's oil in Gaza, they've got to have that. They've got to have access to it. They've got to dominate and control it. And so Biden has to get it done. He cannot allow Congress to stand in his way. He darn well better get it done. And so that's what he's doing. And it doesn't hurt that Biden was uh, in a speech just recently declared, I am a Zionist. Uh, So it makes it probably a little easier for him if, in fact, he's speaking his convictions.
2: Well, he actually said that many years ago. He's (laughs) been self-declared as thus. And, um, wow, here we are. And it is in this context that we have this young Palestinian-American, I would say citizen, Because, you know, I mean, citizens should be active, Rami Blond. uh, But you've been in the financial space. And October 7th really was an introduction for some. But this has been an on this is October 7th began 75 years ago. And it is in this context that you decided, well, come on, let's just put it where it is. You decided to run for Congress. What were you thinking, Rami? You've got a comfortable life.
9: (laughs) (laughs) A comfortable life I was willing to give up. Mm
1: -hmm.
9: Why? And the reason for that, you know, my parents came here, both were born in the West Bank uh, to give me a life to give me a better life, right? As opposed to what I know my family members were currently living in the West Bank are dealing with now. They're scared. They're nervous. They don't know what, what the future looks like. And I don't, although I'm grateful for it, I don't accept that I get to live this way and they don't. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. that was definitely a motivating factor in in me wanting to run, me wanting to make a difference. um, And me, you know, living out the dream of my parents of making that difference, making that better world that they didn't, that they were so blessed to escape from and can't, and are scared to go back to
2: do you still have family in the West Bank A lot. Oh,
9: have yeah. Have
2: lost any family in this bombardment?
9: Thank God, no, I have not. They're not, there's mm-hmm. no one, none of my family members are located anywhere near Casa. They've always, we've always been part of the West Bank. The generations go back uh, through the mm-hmm. West Bank route. Um, but to say that we're not hurting, or we're not feeling, you know, just, just, in any shape or form, is would be incorrect. You know, we're, we feel it even harder because it feels
2: like our brothers and sisters. That we're well, because for it. settlers are being armed and they're attacking Palestinians in the That's West correct. Bank. And they've killed at least a couple hundred Palestinians in That's the West correct. Bank. Am I not correct?
9: That is correct.
2: So this is not a safe space. I mean, while we're hearing about the genocide in Gaza, West, the West Bank is not a safe space for, for Palestinians either.
9: Um, and when I, when I say it's slightly better, it's better than the current reality of 90% of Gazans being displaced from their home. Is it coming? Is it possible that it's on the way? Absolutely. We don't know what the future holds, um, especially with, you know, the right wing constantly declaring the West Bank is eternally theirs. Uh, we don't know if we're next. And that is the fear that a lot of Palestinians outside of my family members have.
2: Tragic, what's passed is tragically what's passed is prologue. You are next, and it's not you are just next, you're right now. Mm -hmm. The settlers are being armed and they're attacking and killing. They're not just attacking Palestinians, they're killing them. So, what's happening in Gaza? We're seeing that same genocide, it's just on a slower roll in the West Bank. We've got Rami Blan, former congressional candidate who has his parents brought him over here. They are Palestinian, and they said, I want to get my son oh have mercy out of this I want something else for my child I want to leave home who wants to leave home nobody wants to leave home that's what they had to do but he's now looking back and saying wait a minute I love being an American maybe I have a better shot of helping my people over here like Rashida Tlaib like Casey Kasem America's favorite DJ we have a history. James Zagli. We have a history. We have a history. So, Rami, stay right here with us. Uh, John Nichols of The Nation magazine and uh, Aaron Niederman of If Not Now will be joining us. But, you know, we want we want to hear more of your story. Stay right here, everybody. We're going to have a peace summit at PUSH. We're pushing for peace, everybody. That is on Friday. It starts, I think, at 11 o'clock. And at 930 East 50th Street, you need to be there. There are going to be sessions. And on Saturday, we're going to have a big, get yeah, a big Coming together on Saturday morning, and if not now, has something they're going to be doing um, this week, and so we're going to talk about that too. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show. Back in just a few minutes. Change the world, change the world.
1: We can change the world. We can change the world. Change the world.
0: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. We will be. Hey, Abraham down there in Brazil, my sweetie. We will be uh, having a peace summit. Uh, James Zogley, Reverend Jesse Jackson, they're convening, John Nichols convening. So many people coming together to call for peace and to show how we can get there, the actions that we need to take. That is at Rainbow Push on Friday and on Saturday. John Nichols is here to talk about that. Of course, you've got Aaron Niederman from If Not Now. They're participating with us, but they're also doing some things this week that I want you to know about. But we've been talking, uh, Attorney Mark Fancher and Dwight McKee, with Rami Blond, for a congressional uh, candidate, uh, someone who really climbed the rungs and got into the financial sector. But he said, you know, as a Palestinian-American, I know my parents brought me over here so that I could have a chance to live. Remember, everybody, the U.N. has said that the worst place to be a child in the world is Gaza. And while we're not hearing about the West Bank, settlers are, Israeli settlers are being armed and they are not just attacking, they're killing Palestinians who are trying to live peaceably over there. They're being attacked on every side in Gaza and in the West Bank. We must know that. And the breaking news is that embattled Harvard President Claudine Gay has gained the unanimous support of the university's board. She will be able to keep her job. But one wonders what she's going to lose in exchange. So um, I want to, before I go back to you, Rami, I want to hear from you. What about What is this Peace Summit about uh, this weekend and who, who, who do we have on board? John
5: Nichols.
10: Well, it's great to be with everyone, and uh, I'm excited to hear more from Rami because, obviously, I cover politics for a living, and so I'm interested in people that are stepping into the fray, and I know how important it is to have representation, not just representation, uh, as we speak about it in civic class, you know, the, the basic concept of people representing a constituency, but also representation of Congress that looks like America, and so very interested in his candidacy. Uh, the summit is, uh, of course, the idea of the Reverend Jesse Jackson and uh, his longtime friend and, and collaborator on so many important struggles, James Zogby. Uh, the, the summit on Friday and Saturday will bring together uh, people of Palestinian background, of Israeli background, Jews, Muslims, Christians, uh, people of other faiths, people perhaps even without faith. Uh, and people who have been Democrats in the past, Republicans in the past, conservatives, liberals, a wide variety of people, all of whom are concerned about what's happening in Gaza. And these are people who have always expressed sympathy and and understanding uh, for those who were harmed on October 7th in Israel for the horror that occurred on that day. But what they are saying is that the horror that has taken place in Gaza in the, in the weeks since October 7th has been so overwhelming that there must be a ceasefire. And what you'll see at the summit, uh, and I think there will be a substantial crowd of people from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of experiences, what you'll see at the summit is a description of what's going on on the ground in Gaza from Palestinian-Americans and others who know it in detail. Uh, from people who have worked there, people who have family there. You will also hear a great deal about the uh, rising of people here in the United States to say that there is a need for a ceasefire. You'll hear from folks from If Not Now and from folks from Jewish Voice for Peace. You'll hear from Palestinian activists, some of whom have been working on these issues for 50 years or longer. Uh, You will hear also about the blacklisting, and the efforts to silence folks on campuses, some of, what you, some of which you were just discussing a few moments ago, uh, about the efforts to stifle an honest debate. But you will also hear, and this, I think, to me at least, this is the most important part of it, there will be a serious discussion about what to do going forward. And a deep discussion about how to take many of these messages about what is happening in a place of such meaning for Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, What's happening there as we go into a holiday season for many of these religions, uh, and how to communicate about it, how to communicate about the need for ceasefire. And finally, there'll be discussion about how to move Congress and President Biden toward advocacy for peace and diplomacy as opposed to militarism on the ground there, and for a rebuilding and a renewal of Gaza, and also this core concept, justice for Palestinians, and that justice cannot simply be a rebuilding of buildings. It has to be an understanding that, that Palestinians must have a right to guide and control their own lives. And so it's a deep and important couple days. Uh, Reverend Jackson will be there. Jim Zogby will be there. Uh, some members of Congress, I believe Jonathan Jackson will be there and he will probably not be the only member of Congress. There will be religious leaders, uh, Rabbi Jacobs who traveled with Reverend Jackson on many of his, his journeys, uh, and many, many young folks, uh, folks from If Not Now, folks from, uh, other groups who will be talking about their experience. So it's a multi generational gathering, um, and it is a gathering not to look backward but ultimately to look forward.
2: Mm, It's going to be be something special. We want everyone to come. What time does it begin on Friday?
10: I I think things will begin around 10 to 11 Mm a.m. There will be some gathering before, and it will open with a series of panels to kind of give a perspective of where things stand right now, a little bit of Mm -hmm. that, but also to make this linkage, to make a linkage back to when Reverend Jackson went to the Middle East in the 1980s and got hostages freed and went to Israel and Palestine in the 1990s and was so active in seeking to encourage and build the peace process and a vision for what might come next. And so we'll make some of those connections, but then very quickly go into a discussion of a vision for where we go next on the ground here in the united states Mm -hmm. with advocacy and activism and for how we move congress and the white house toward a a broader vision of peace and justice
2: well you know and this also this all began when mrs jackson went to the middle east on a fact-finding mission in the Mm spring of 1979 um stokely carmichael kwame ture Uh, Reverend B.W. Smith, Susana Cepeda, and so many others went. uh, They all went together to meet with Yasser Arafat, and it was there that they saw what was actually going on because we had a no-talk policy. You could not discuss what was going on. And when Mrs. Jackson returned, um, she was so devastated, she went to see— Andrew Young, who was the U.N. ambassador at the time, and she challenged him to meet with the Palestinian representative. He said, this is the third rail of American politics, Jackie. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents Mm -hmm. go back to their Dr. King days when they were all staffers for him. And she said, what would Martin do? She said, you just can't sit here. And um, he was fired (laughs) two weeks (laughs)
5: later. Well,
2: you know, and and, and, and then my parents went to the Middle East again that fall. And um and they faced the consequences for it, but it was the right thing to do.
10: And Santita, there is such deep history here. And that's, that's one of the things that's important. We have to be careful in a moment like this, not to be so wrapped up in the history that we lose sight of the present and the future. But that mm-hmm. history is important because it is a history of Reverend Jackson, Rabbi Jacobs, and others uh, who recognized, not recently, but decades ago, That there were possibilities. That it isn't just that that something unjust was occurring, but there there were possibilities to address that injustice. And that there were successes in the past. One thing that we will recall is that in 1988, when Reverend Jesse Jackson ran for president of the United States, he brought this understanding rooted in your mother's experience, right, in her initial journey and then the lessons that he learned along the way. Uh, the great information he gained from Jim Zogby and others went to that democratic national convention and said
5: we need to talk about peace in the
10: middle east not not in some ethereal sense not in some you know unfocused sense but very clearly mm-hmm. about the rights of palestinians to be heard and to be respected to be understood and that 1988 convention now you know decades ago was a transformational point in American politics. We didn't get any place per se from there, but we started a journey that in many senses continues to this day. And when we see now mass demonstrations on behalf of peace in the Middle East, we recall what Jim Zoghvi has said, that he can recall when there were 50 people, just a few dozen folks at demonstrations. Now, perhaps. Now there are millions of folks crying out for peace and justice, and this is justice for Israelis, justice for Palestinians, justice for Jews and Christians and Muslims. This is not an exclusive or a narrow movement. This is a broad movement, but it does have roots, and some of those roots go back to 1988 and, and even before then.
2: And 84 and 80 and and 79 and introducing the proper noun Palestinian into the political, social and cultural context and discourse, because that was not there before. Uh, Aaron Niederman, I know you have a hard stop today um, and because I want you to pivot us back to to Rami Blond. First of all, what is if not now up to? I know you're going to be participating in the summit, um, but also I want you to tell us why you felt it was important that Rami be a part of this discussion today. Is Aaron still there? Oh, is he on mute? Okay, call him back. Call him back. Call him back. Rami Blonde, um, tell me, we're we're going to have this peace summit, and we are pushing for a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. What do you want us to know? I mean, we we don't have enough Palestinian voices talking to us in um, you know, in in media. You know we, we don't we don't hear your voices enough we don't hear your experiences enough talk to me I mean, what do you what don't we know what what doesn't the american public know about this
9: surprisingly in the last 60 days there's been so much information that's been far more broadly or far more broadcast than before but everything that The people need to know is out there, right? Now, this stems back 75 years, more than 75 years at this point. And what people don't, what people fail to understand, at least from the basics is that there were a people here. They existed, whether you want to call them an official state or whether you don't want to call them an official state, you know, under the British mandate or even previously under the Ottoman Empire, these people still existed there. And All the world's powers came together and and in 1948 decided on a partition plan, which of course the people that already existed there were going to deny. Um, And ever since then, it has just been a a back and forth, tit for tat, you did this, we did this, and the only thing that occurred more than anything else is just a consistent the pain of injustice to the Palestinians as they felt they've just been crushed into a smaller and smaller and smaller territory. And with that crushing, um, you, you've seen the resistance moves have turned violent. Not that I'm advocating for it, not that I, I, I believe that's the method to, to achieving the peace, but that is the outcome of what we've seen, right? Uh, we heard i heard a podcast yesterday by um, uh, by Ezra klein Nimrod Novik said if he was in that position he would take up arms and he would rise up against an occupier that conti- continuously crushes the hopes and dreams of any type of future state for the Palestinians. and so i think one has to acknowledge that that forgiveness hasn't gone away there's still that bitterness that all of this that was there before, that was built, is gone. Um, and once that acknowledgement takes place, you know, just like I've learned over the last 30 years, the Jews have a place in the land of what is now Israel. They have a religious tie to it. And they also, maybe not most in the most recent future, but thousands of years ago, and to this day, they'll talk about their Their religious ties to the land and what it means to them. And, and they've always had an affinity to come back and you've seen that that rise in the last 100 plus years and they've gotten themselves back to, uh, to where they want to be, but at the expense of the people already living there and without taking that into consideration, without considering the needs or the wants of palestinians or at least granting equality in their eyes you'll never have peace and that has to be something that both sides come to that sort of vision that without each other acknowledging their past and their histories there, there can't be peace. Hmm.
2: aaron niederman is back with us aaron from if not now i know you are going to be participating in the peace summit on Friday and Saturday, uh, but you all have things going on. But you brought Rami to us, and so I want you to tell us what, if not now, uh, is is up to this week, um, because I'm, because this movement toward peace, John Nichols, is something that is ongoing. It's, not, it's something mm-hmm. you just can't stop. You can't stop, don't stop, won't stop. But, I mean, tell us what you're doing and why you felt it was important that Rami Blonde be a part of this conversation. Aaron Niederman.
11: Hi, Santita. Good morning, and good morning, everyone else here. Uh, I mean, I was really excited to bring Rami on for a variety of reasons. One of them, of course, was to meet you and get connected to other folks and uplift some of the work that him and his uh, peers are doing. You know, I think he do such a great job of uh, uplifting these underrepresented voices. And I also think Rami shows um, a unique perspective, you know, with family in the West Bank, of course. And also, as an aspiring politician, he has a very particular Um, perspective that he comes at this conversation from, you know, there's uh, a a variety of ways in which people get involved in the struggle for Palestinian freedom, whether it's through artistic ways um, or as organizers. And Rami sees a path through electoral politics. And so I think that that's a a unique and important one. Um, And then to talk about what we have going on this week on Thursday, we're following our vigil that happened actually uh, last Thursday where we had over a hundred Jews and allies turn out to light candles in a park um, up in Ravenswood, um, just clearly a, a real swelling of interest in what is a a, a bit of a dissent from the common, from the central Jewish narrative in America. You know, calling for um, the ceasefire and refusing our grief to be leveraged for increased violence. But this Thursday at 4:30 p.m. at Daily Plaza, three main groups are coming together in coalition. If not now. Jewish Voice for Peace, and Jewish Fast for Gaza. We'll be celebrating the last night of Hanukkah, but really it'll be more of a vigil and musical march. So we're going to sing together, join together in prayer as we light the candles, have some traditional food, and there are more details that I can't share at this time. But I think the main thing I want to emphasize is that Hanukkah, when it's translated, means rededication, and we'll be rededicating rededicating ourselves to the ongoing struggle against collective punishment and massacre, apartheid and occupation, and especially we'll be rededicating ourselves in the face of what has been some um, uh, decrease in media attention, um, basically encouraging the media and the public to hold their line, to keep their endurance in this fight, Um, We'll be reaffirming what is the true narrative of Hanukkah, that just because it is about rededicating um, the temple in the face of Hellenistic onslaught, you know, historically, it does not support the ongoing violence from Israel these days. Um, And really, it's about an uprising of an oppressed people against their oppressor. It's about bravery in the face of a powerful opponent. And just as the Maccabees rose against um, King Antiochus, um, this coalition of Jews is rising up against this dominant narrative. Um, and so, you know, again, while this is typically a joyous time in the year for Jewish people, we are mourning this immense loss of life, and we won't continue business as usual. We don't think the U.S. should send $14 billion in unconditional weapons aid to Israel. We oppose the conflation of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism in this House resolution that we've seen recently. We want an everyone-for-everyone hostage swap, a lasting ceasefire, and we'll continue to mourn the dead and fight like hell for the living. And we'll be doing that on Thursday at 4.30 at Daily Plaza.
2: Can we just show up?
11: Yeah, you can show up, and you can, um, you can make sure you get all the details on our social media. If not now, Chicago, JVP Chicago, it's all there. Um, and, yeah, it should be, you know, we'll have a, a, a children's block and some moments at the beginning for people to be there with their, with their kids. Um, you know, Jews and allies are always welcome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that'll be Thursday, and I'm really excited to join you all for this Peace Summit on Friday and Saturday, too.
2: Well, we you know we're going to get everybody out to both events, 4:30 Daily Plaza and of course our Jewish Brothers and Sisters, it's the Festival of Lights. Oh, we used to celebrate that when I was in in um in preschool and in nursery school. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And um and Rami Blon, uh what do you what else do you want us to know? Do you think you'll run for Congress again? I mean because you've seen Rashida Saleh really break a lot of ground for you but Jim Alvarez did did the same thing but she's doing it as a, he was progressive too but she's wow way down the road when you see her for example and other allies the squad is that inspiring to you
9: absolutely every time I you know I see her speak and I you know there's a moments of of doubt it is Seeing her fight against those sharks that Dwight was mentioning earlier that says even if I run and I lose a million times I can convince more and more people to do the same go in their district, knock on doors run for Congress then eventually the plenty of fish in the sea mantra will take place and we will drown out those sharks, send them somewhere else and go find some other blood to go after and I think that's how change occurs through
2: those movements like that. Mm. John Nichols, when I hear Aaron Niederman, when I hear Rami Blonde, I feel like the the seeds that were deposited Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. earth these many years ago, it's like they've taken root and, you know, they're the fruit. I mean, you just see them going on. I want to remind people, uh, Daily Plaza on Thursday, you need to be there. We need to join with our brothers and sisters in this holy season, whether you are a faith or whether you're agnostic or atheist. It's the goodwill. There's nothing like turning around and seeing your neighbor uh, just in in fellowship with you. That was the name of my church, our church, Dwight McKee. What a fellowship. The relationship is so important. The fellowship. Uh, and we we need that. 430 on Thursday, and then of course get on over to push at nine o'clock. That's when we open on Friday, uh-huh. and and we're going to begin everything at ten o'clock. And you know how we do that too. And it's going to be great for us to be together, John. I'm excited that we are coming together. I mean, of all, I mean, all backgrounds. It feels like, it, you know, it feels it feels like a real rainbow,
10: John. It is a rainbow. It is a rainbow, and that's that's a place. And we'll talk a little bit about this, I suppose. Um, you know, one of the great challenges is our media's approach to to everything that's been happening and and i don't mean media like this show which has been great and deep and thoughtful uh of course (laughs) of course but but um as our friend from if not now just well stated uh our media tends to to have a real struggle with staying focused on something you know maintaining a clear focus but also there's a deeper struggle which is telling the story of what's happening in america um, so many of the stories about uh, the calls for ceasefire and about the activism that has occurred have been negative, right? You know, it's the college presidents before Congress and it's the, you know, the divisions in certain places and stuff like that. But what is a positive is the fact that you are seeing multiracial, multi coalitions being built. Jews, Christians, Muslims, Palestinian Americans, Israeli Americans, primarily led by young people saying there's got to be a way out of this and giving us a vision for that way. This is a deeply painful and difficult time, but amid that pain and difficulty, this is also a hopeful time. And and I do wish more of our media reported at least some of that hope.
2: Mm, amen. Well, you know, that's what we do here. Everybody, 930's 50th Street, On Friday, get on over to the Peace Summit. You might be surprised at who's going to be there. It's going to be fantastic. Dwight's going to be there. Got to get Mark Fancher in from Michigan to be there. There's a whole lot that's going to be going on, and then we're going to have a culminating rally on Saturday. You don't want to miss it. 4.30 p.m., Daily Plaza, in uh, here in Chicago. Our Jewish brothers and sisters will be celebrating Hanukkah, and we invite the children and the young people, the grown folks, and all of our elders to be there, too. It's going to be something wonderful. It might be chilly outside. It'll be warm in our hearts. It's going to be a great thing. The more, the merrier. The more people you get out there, the warmer it's going to be everybody. So stay right Mm -hmm. here on the Santita Jackson Show. Stay right here. I'm going to get some closing thoughts from from my panel. Rami, I hope you'll stay with me for a hot second. Aaron had to go to work. And, um, And Tracy, a new listener, I want to explain to you why I don't talk about Trump all the time. I want to explain that to you on the other side. Um, it's it's for good reason. It's for good reason. Everybody stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show to get some closing thoughts. And just right here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Love you, everybody. Thank you, Alex, for a great show. And thank you, WCPT and AM 950 Radio for this platform. God bless everybody.